Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favourite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish-tech-news. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast to the crypto corner. This is your host, Jamil Hassan, where I, I interview founders, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, you name it, in crypto and blockchain globally. And today, today I have a I have a very interesting guest. Uh, she is a film producer. Her name is Christine Smith, uh, otherwise known as Chrissy. Chrissy, welcome to the show. Oh, Jamil, um, we've known each other for, for years. It's great to reconnect with you catch up again absolutely great to catch up with you too um glad you're here Um, yes well i guess it's a perfect time to kind of say you know why don't you explain chapter four of cracking the glass ceiling okay so so chrissy was in my book my first book i wrote uh, blockchain ethics a bridge to abundance i wrote a chapter uh explaining the glass ceiling cracking the glass ceiling and um we introduced the film erasing family in that book um and here uh, to talk about erasing family um is chrissy today and um first of all the first question i have for you though is is what is your background and is it a logical background for what you do now and then we can talk about erasing family and any updates there is i actually think my my background is is logical for what i'm doing right now because my background is both i have a master's in geology so i've kind of studied um you know the ecological you know extinctions and what's going on with the global warming but then i also work for aig the bank too big to fail so i have the financial aspect of what's going on there and the unsustainability i was born in 1970 and then nixon the next year took the dollar off the gold standard so i've got both kind of a banking background and like the environmental background where you know planning for what we're going to do next in the future you know is where we're all at right now there's a lot of change going on great so what are the updates of the racing family okay so a racing family is a nonprofit documentary that director ginger gentilly um did it's a feature-length documentary it's free to watch it follows three young adults being reunited with family that they lost through family court. So in um, American family courts, it's an adversarial system and a lot of children lose a parent in the system. We do not have uh, shared parenting as a country, as a nation. Um, we're pushing shared parenting and the movie, you know, goes into how when parents, you know, share the children financially, there's less stress um, as far as domestic violence domestic violence drops, Kentucky passed shared parenting and showed, you know, a few years out how it really is something that's much better for the mental health of our country if, if we're not fighting over our children. So Ohio is the next one up voting on shared parenting. Pennsylvania, my state, we could not get it passed. So we have a new Governor Shapiro coming in and, and we just need a tidal wave across the country because the only people that do not want shared parenting are the American Bar Association. And that we can go into the kleptocracy of what's going on financially in the world from there. But, you know, a microcosm of it is, you know, these people don't care who wins or loses. They create money on the conflict. So. 
Anyway, so the movie's doing really great, and we're actually pushing it to be um, given to attorneys for training, because it'd be great if all the attorneys could watch this movie and, and we could educate them in a very easy way. Yeah. Great. So so I, I thought about, you know, the, the reunification, of, reunification of families, you know, when I, when I saw pictures of the Taliban taking over Afghanistan, right, and I said, okay, you know, we're going to have, we're going to have more families that get, you know, um, raised apart and stuff like that, so... Um, so let me ask yeah, I would like to mention there how what an international issue it is, because I did a podcast with this woman, Marianne Petrie, and she wrote a book called um, Dismantling Family Court. And it's going to be made into a movie called, um, you know, Custody Denied by a Canadian director. But she has interviewed Veda Spiskoski of, you know, Russia, who wrote a book on this parental alienation. There's Samantha Baldwin in England, Vincent McGovern in England. I mean, there's Marita Murphy in Australia. It's such an international issue where there's people profiting off of shredding families, you know, on, on you know, dissembling them, however it is, through immigration, through foster care, through the divorce court, through guardianships. So for our audience who doesn't know what shared parenting might mean, can you define what that looks like? Okay, so what we're asking for is right now, in many states, um, the default parenting is 80-20, where one parent gets the child 80% of the time and the other gets them 20. And then the, the um, child support has to go through the state. And the state likes the money going through the state. Because if you do shared parenting, where parents do 50-50 to 60-40, then the money doesn't really need to go through the state because they're sharing the cost of the child. So there's a profit incentive through Title 4D in the American political system where the state makes money off of enforcing custody orders. So there is kind of, um, you know, states like to drag people in for custody, every custody order that they get, everyone they enforce, they get, um, you know, it's there's an incentive for that. And there's an incentive to not do shared parenting, because shared parenting also is more amicable and doesn't create the, the attorney hours, billable hours, because the conflict isn't there when it's a default shared thing where there's not built in the, you know, litigious aspect. Got it. Okay. So um, you're working on a, a book now called Divorce Induced Insanity, you know, um, and what, how did that come about and what is it about? And how do you tie in the share parenting with it? Okay. A lot of this goes just into my personal experience. Um, six years ago, when I asked for a divorce, um, my family took me to a psychiatrist, had me evaluated, and I was given a fraudulent diagnosis of mental illness. And I've been fighting that ever since. And I've had seven divorce attorneys, and I can't get a report card or a medical record. And a lot of this going on for this many years in court is because the lack of transparency. And here is where something like blockchain and transparency, as far as the medical records, the school records, and the law records, None of this could have been done. It really is, um, you know, there, there's just so much hope for the future as far as efficiencies and transparencies that, um, you know, I just want to like champion and kind of explore what we could do next to to fix the system. So your your book is about your personal is personal memoirs about how how uh, your experience was with the divorce and, and the child uh, situation. 
Right. And it goes also brings in other people's stories. Like I bring in the story of Mary Bush, who also um, her mother was removed through guardianship. And it's another one where a fraudulent diagnosis was used and none of the doctors were listened to and the court just went in their own direction. And if it had all been transparent on blockchain where everyone could have seen the facts, it would never would have been done. It, it's a lot of this is um, the way it's hidden in old technology. And I really liked your interview with um, Don Tappenscott because um, I read his book, Blockchain Revolution, and it really changed my life. And when his interview with you, he said one of his earlier things, they said that the managerial class and the executive class will never get to the computers and be able to use them because they won't learn to type. I was laughing because my dad was the type who used to, you know, get a secretary to print out the emails and he would dictate the email back and she would type back the response. So it's kind of like Don Tappenscott made me really look at blockchain and all the different ways, you know, we could solve society's ills and a lot of the ills that are created by bureaucracy. This is, you know, the ill society creates for itself and, and just how, how, you know, blockchain is going to could create rapid, you know, um, just equality or freedom if, if we take control now. His his book parallels, you know, he's, he, used to, he, he said, you know, he used to write about the joys of typing, right? Um, there's a parallel there between, um, between typing and today's society where people came in the door and said, oh, that is new, but that is not new that has been around for a while and so have databases, right? So um, how do you bridge that lack of talent at the top so where those people at the top get the skills that people at the bottom have and are building throughout their careers? Well, I think our bigger concern right now is we need to step back and look at, you know, here's Elon Musk buying up space. I mean, I don't an article came out today how the you know European Union is so concerned because there's these players and no one's working together. It's the capitalistic drive that all of these companies have. And artificial intelligence is something that we have to explain to it. We're all humans and we make mistakes. I mean, is anyone talking to Sophia? I mean, she's a citizen of Saudi Arabia. Like, I think we need to get the bigger picture on artificial intelligence and cryptocurrency and think like, what are our actual goals for humanity? You know, which are not or or let's look at the church of AI, artificial intelligence. I mean, who's teaching ethics and morality to AI who whatever data we give AI, it's going to be going off of the ethics and morality of who Elon Musk. So then let's we let's need a Star Wars Federation. That's what we need. We need to start looking at Star Wars and we need to be floating on our little pods, each of our little tribes. A concept to think about. Well, well the UN is kind of not, you know, the UN is is owned. I mean, it, it doesn't seem to be functioning to save the world. So let's 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 look at things at a real perspective then, because a lot of talk about blockchain is at saving the world, saving humanity, doing things at a high level. But let's look at you know uh, the clamor of mass adoption at a high level versus you know. The day-to-day -day problems people face you know so um most people don't live at the level of humanity or society they live at okay well how can they get through their day so at a societal level at a, at a functional level at a community level how could blockchain help 
Okay, and this is good because we can break this down in different ways. I just bought a bunch of blockchain domains for altruistic and collaborative purposes, and they go into different categories. Like one is we can easily, you know, decentralize things such as education. Education has already decentralized itself. And then this banking, of course, is the main thing, you know, Bitcoin decentralizing the banking because of the unbanked people. There's so many people that don't even have access to money, have access. So I think a lot of people think blockchain, oh, how can the rich get richer? No, it's how can somebody have their first, you know, cryptocurrency wallet ever where they can trade a goat with a neighbor village girl, you know? I mean, people don't even have access to, to, to you know, hyperinflation. You know, so I think like blockchain, I think it can go into voting as well, because like I think you had somebody on. Oh, my gosh, I forget who, but it, how voting can be done by consensus. Now we can take out the middlemen of these bought, you know, and, and just practicing things on experimentally on neighborhoods and community levels, because I think people would much rather, you know, have educated people vote on consensus than have politicians we voted on be bought vote later. <laughs> So, I mean, there's different things. There's the voting, there's the education. And then also I bought a lot like um, Europe news, Ireland news, because decentralized and censorship free, you know, journalism and web. And that's where the web three comes in, which is another thing that's rapidly expanding these domains with the capabilities of the interplanetary file system. And censorship, because censorship is such a big issue, bigger than America than I ever would have thought. Like I have gag orders on me from my local court level. I mean, just because of my divorce case, they, they will just hand out gag orders without anyone asking them to put one on you. I mean, that's censorship. So um, so I think like we're at a revolution and um, we really have to think now, like, oh, I forget. Who was it you said it you had on, um, what was his last name, King? Okay. I just think what futures we can have and where can blockchain, blockchain is the hope. Blockchain is the way where, you know, if we think fast and we get the youth involved, we can still, you know, I don't know if we can save the planet, but we can adapt. So let's look at what you said about local gag orders, right? In the U.S., there's there's a lot of, there's really two U.S.'s, right? There's the coasts, which are, which are there's a lot of technology, innovation, blockchain, and then you have the the small towns across the country and you said gag orders you know, there's a lot of judicial you know uh issues and orders and bureaucracy at local levels how can blockchain technology be used to prevent local uh judicial corruption okay this is a really good one because this is already happening i'm in a lot of groups where um people are, are joining and even without blockchain these facebook groups are starting to out you know judges and people are starting to find you know, common victims, because when you put in complaints on these judges, they have judicial immunity and the people who are reviewing the complaints are also part of the American Bar Association. So it's kind of the fox watching the hen house. So sending a complaint in on your judicial or your local judge or your local attorneys, actually, you're more likely to get retaliation than any kind of help or any kind of remedy. And that's from personal experience. So, you know, and then once you send in your complaint to the school district, the school district will send something back saying, you know, it's a misdemeanor if if you, you know, do this. So that's kind of a gag order too that you didn't have until you put in the complaint and then the gag order's there. So um, blockchain's a great way because like, there's platforms like Steemit where I could put, um, you know, 
uh, a gag order or a cease and desist order up there where they could not take that down. Because on Facebook, they're blocking activists. On YouTube, they're definitely censoring activists. But, you know, we can definitely, with the Interplanet and the Web3, you know, have things up that are uncensorable where they can't take down and people can see the pattern and practice and which of these judges are corrupt. Because I'm sure if we went over to the Pennsylvania Disciplinary Committee and we pulled out a drawer, it's full of complaints that they've never looked at or full of complaints that if someone actually cared, they would prove a lot of racketeering. And I wish the FBI would stand up and care. But after the way they treated those gymnasts, you know, it, it makes you wonder, you know, it seems like all the bureaucracies are protecting all the other bureaucracies. And blockchain is a way to break down the bureaucracies. The decentralization. And it's the decentralization of finance, the decentralization of education, the decentralization of the news and media, and the financial decentralization, of course. And it's going to ratchet up. The control that they're going to try to exert over blockchain in America hasn't even started. Not blockchain, but the, the, the digital cryptocurrencies is, is just beginning because they, they just recognize that Bitcoin is a direct threat to the U.S. monitoring system. They just admitted that like just like a week ago, which they knew it, but they're saying it out loud. And they just admitted inflation is not transitory. So interesting. Who's the housewife? No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's let's. There's a lot there to unpack, but let's lighten the conversation just a bit before we do that. You, you said, you also mentioned that you bought some unstoppable domains, like things in Ireland. So I just wonder what, what, are, what are unstoppable domains and how do they work and how can we use them to apply to some of these issues you just pointed out? Okay, unstoppable domains. Now, I have limited knowledge because I'm going what I've learned on YouTube and I haven't set mine completely up, but they are NFTs, non-fungible tokens, and they're being sold by Unstoppable Domains, a San Francisco-based group. And um, you can buy them and they can be used on either Zilqua, Ethereum, or what was the one we just did? Uh, um, your your favorite coin. They just they just decided you can do it. Remember? Polygon? Yes, Polygonmatic. And that's the newest update two weeks ago. So these are domains and Unstoppable Domains makes them really easy to manage templates where you can set up a website that's a cryptocurrency payment portal. But then also on this website, they have four different ones. One's for a blog, one's more professional resume, but you can add in your links to your YouTube, your Twitter, etc. cetera. And um, they started like $20 and you buy it once and it, you own it in perpetuity. So I um, mean, these Unstoppable Domains are, um, I have not experimented with mine yet and I know they're evolving. Um, but definitely people should look into that because it's almost like the websites of old buying, I, you know, dot com, whatever. So I think they're going to enable people to um, be able to get payments. Like you could type in Chrissy Smith dot crypto and Bitcoin or Ethereum would come right to me. Or, you know, I could put up my um, gag order that I think is unconstitutional and they couldn't make me ever take it down unless they, you know, found me and shook me. So yes, so I think it's going to be really good for censorship. Awesome. So you mentioned censorship, you mentioned to do these for good purposes. There is a role still, I believe, for altruism in crypto and blockchain. How how have you seen the role of altruism play out over time? What's still missing? What needs to happen? Um, what should we do? 
I think we need to be careful of people and we need to be careful of nonprofits because I was part of an organization that had altruism stamped all over. But when it came down to it wasn't and I'm going to talk about it, but I'm not on that anymore. But, um, you know, altruism, I think, and and collaboration are going to be so big in this because we've seen that competition and capitalism, which is just competing against each other. Humans competing against each other is not going to help us you know, with global warming, it's not going to help us communicate with artificial intelligence. So I think, um, you know, like we said, he said, oh, was it social technology is the way to go. I mean, we've got to use this technology and look at how can we make the quality of life of humans better and what actually makes humans happy. And let's use this for common good. And what I thought is I got a lot of these, um, you know, uh, domains to donate to my, my favorite nonprofits you know, so that they can start using them. And also, I really think these domains can be used for people who want to like, um, for families, for family banking, because I feel like the way the financial system is set up is it individualizes us. And it's hard if you want a family bank or something like that, you need attorneys and accountants and all of that. But there's going to be a simplification to the process because I'm already using something called um, TribeVest, where you can make an LLC and invest with other people with a really simple platform and things like that are going to happen where, you know, you know, people used to not invest in stocks unless they were, you know, a wealthier class. So I think there's going to be, you know, a democratization of investing that's going to be going on with people being able to invest their cryptocurrency versus the stock market, which is a bubble anyway, because I prefer only to invest in things that make the world a better place. And I know that sounds really hard to do, but I feel like I've actually done that. So, you know, I, I don't invest in big pharma. I won't invest in tobacco. So, I mean, I think if everyone invested in what they believed would help the world be a better place, we could solve the world's problems really quick. So let's talk about that. You recently uh, moved out of Pennsylvania and you moved to Arizona and you bought some property to set up a lab for blockchain ethics and altruism, right? You talk, could you talk about that? Well, it's kind of, it, it's going to be called the Carl Smith Labs, and it's a cryptocurrency and reunification lab. So a lot of it is researching blockchain, figuring out how parents and children who are separated through, you know, migration policies, foster care policies, divorce, whatever, you know, can reach out to each other, connect, leave a video, possibly have a cryptocurrency wallet. You know, if a parent's going to pass away, maybe the kid can find the wallet later and they could leave something behind. You know, it's a great way for a parent to leave a legacy of photos or something for a child they're looking for. So I'm kind of want to explore blockchain for bringing humanity back together. And then also just kind of thinking about how can we hold AI accountable or how can we get artificial intelligence at the table and talk about ethics and these bigger issues that, you know, I don't think I don't even know if we want Elon Musk at the ethics table. I mean, didn't his family, you know, the blood diamond people. I don't just because you have money doesn't make you the person who should be making all the decisions and who will be making the best decisions for all of us. I mean, maybe Elon Musk only cares if 5% of the population makes it. I want as much of the population to make it as 10 through the next whatever global catastrophe. So you're saying that the ethics level shouldn't be determined at the level of space. The ethics level should be determined at the level of ground. I, I think the way we're letting space be bought right now, it is very short-sighted. Yeah, the way that, that Elon Musk is getting, got a permit for 30 satellites. I mean, it's just, 
it, it's like space is being colonialized and bought up. We've already made that mistake. It's the space is already full of junk. Like we should be organizing to clean it up. I, you know. And at that family level, that ties into your see the next level of evolution for a racing family. Well, a racing family is an international film, and I think um, you know just getting that out in all the different languages because I think um, it's not just family court taking kids away. It really is about children who have been removed from parents in any way all over the world, and creating a platform where we're a biological family that's been scattered or separated because of you know possibly you know capitalistic policies. Uh, you know, can be reunited and also creating some financial stability, like these kids coming out of foster care, you know, providing some kind of, you know, education and, and wallet. So they, they have a, a way to, you know, do something besides opening a Wells Fargo account, which I've tried to do that with a lot of kids and they wind up with the fees. And it's just so sad to see Wells Fargo, you know, be their first banking experience when Wells Fargo invests in for-profit prisons. You know, which they make money off of, you know, modern day slavery. So ethics remains an issue and will for the time being, at least. I think that's where we really need to focus. And there is some great, um, you know, I, I sent you that one uh, curriculum from, I forget what university, but they, there are smart people thinking about it, but they're probably not the people with the money making all the decisions. I mean, and the fact that Sophia is a citizen of Saudi Arabia, that's great. Can we make her, can we put Sophia on the UN Council? I'd like to hear what Sophia's got to say. I mean, you know, women, can they drive in Saudi Arabia? I mean, is Sophia allowed to drive? Maybe we should check on her. <laughs> Interesting. So um, I want to save some time before I let you go because you have found some interesting ways um, to invest in crypto that other people haven't heard of, right? So, um, you know, people usually buy tokens or, you know, hold tokens to put them into a wallet. You've done some things like, you know, mining and um, having mining contracts and running nodes. Um, what, what other options are out there for people to understand that they should be looking into um, that will help them um, from investment perspective? Yes, and it is. Uh, there's so many diverse ways to invest in blockchain. There really are probably nine different ways to invest in it when you look at yield, farming, everything. But I just want to say, I, mean, I think people should invest in different ways and maybe go with something they're comfortable. Like if you're a techie person and you want to do a mining node, you should do that because that is a great way. But if you're not a techie person, you know, I would leave that alone. I mean, I did have great success with mining contracts that I did with um, Genesis Cloud Mining out of Iceland, and I got in those early and those were good but then also if you're a musician or an artist you really have to look at the nft scene because your videos your music your art that's like patenting it that's like owning your artwork so that's a great thing for people who are the creative types really need to look into that field also you could invest in the blockchain domain names people are investing in those to sell again i do own jerseygirl.x if anyone is interested in purchasing it um and um, other ways of investing is I definitely use Gemini because that's, uh, you know, American based, highly regulated. And then you can invest and, and make yields on the platform. So you're not buying and selling because I, I advise anyone against day trading. I mean, that's I, unethical. I, I almost I think I mean, I do long term discretionary trades. And I think that's what 
you know, just understanding what you buy. Also, there's this guy, Coin Bureau, guy on Coin Bureau. Hi, guy. I love you. Anyway, he's really educational and he um, has his own portfolio out there and is very transparent. Um, and then I just like, just also XYO is another company. XYO is, um, or the Findables company, their blockchain and they're, they're experimenting with it to not use GPS. So it's a location tracking the system and a data, I think they can get temperatures and different things. So you get these little fobs that can track your dog or your minivan, but also um, they're not relying on the satellites. They're pushing Bluetooth technology to the limits. So if an a magnetic, magnetic pulse hits and the satellites are decommissioned, you know, transportation could still go. So blockchain being used. So, so companies using blockchain is another investment, the ones using it. But um, yeah, it's just an amazing world of investing in that. Yes. And you were an expert. You were an XRP millionaire. Right. Oh, yeah. I lucked out. I bought it at like 23 cents and sold it at $3. Oh, my gosh. I got my divorce money and put it into Bitcoin IRA. And that happened within the first three months. And I watched XRP go straight up. And I tried to sell it for two days before the order went through. And it was, went right over the peak. I was having a heart attack. Yeah. And then I started a nonprofit and all these people wound up scamming me and I wound up shutting down my nonprofit. And then I wound up kind of retracing a little bit during the crypto winter. But um, eventually my mining contracts, I had some of those for five years and they just kept chugging away. So the, the Bitcoin mining contracts and the Dash mining contracts I got with Genesis Mining, that just um, just consistently, that's another way of investing that, you know, takes you out of the daily market flow and puts you in a long term, you know investing in the infrastructure and that's what i like you know investing in any of it that's um you know solar geothermal volcano uh you know environmentally friendly um cryptocurrency or and, and i think we're all moving more from uh proof of work to proof of stake to proof of consensus it's just evolving to be more uh environmentally friendly for sure whatever elon musk says about he, he wants to run the bitcoin federation right didn't he come out trying to uh anyway i'm glad i no one knows where i live okay. <laughs> um well that's awesome um so it's great to see you it's great to catch up thank you very much for the conversation i enjoyed speaking with you yeah i would just like to say if anyone wants to collaborate on um you know any of these uh domains i save the words world sales at Proton Mail, you can email me at save the world sales at protonmail.com. And um, you know, I have like if anyone's to reach me. Thank you very much for your time today. Thanks for your time. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news on Facebook facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News on LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news on Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE and on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.